This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur News Laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. We have been saying this for 366 episodes. Uh and this is our 10th year. In fact, when you guys are listening to this on the weekend, 7th of February is 10 years of News Laundry. So we have a whole bunch of stuff planned. First of all, congratulations everybody. Yay. Thank you. Anand is the oldest Woo! I think. in this <laughs> i was here when it was launched when it was launched yes oh. so it's an all news laundry panel we haven't called anyone from outside because we thought since it is 10 years of nl we should maybe vaguely discuss a couple of things otherwise we will have ideas of what we should aim to achieve in the next 10 years uh, but the panel today consists of in the office which is kind of under construction and it's a mess and we can smell the pest control so hopefully yeah. we shouldn't pass out by the end of this <laughs> manisha pande hi manisha hello how are you anand vardhan hi anand hello raman kripal hi and joining us from the phone line in chennai is jeshri hi hi jeshri and joining us from oxford beta is mehraj <laughs> Hello everybody you have been missed mehraj many emails come asking why mehraj can't join us i'm like he's busy with oxford studies but i know the reality mehraj i sent half those emails just so you know it, it, <laughs> oh yeah it, of course it must be ending in another two months i think yes sir uh, two moments to go yeah. so you'll be back in delhi to enjoy the summer Oh well now that you say it I might change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's it been um, to stay out of uh, you know the regular news kind news of cycles. news cycle? News uh, cycle. Although I, I, I think I'm sure you're us... still consuming a lot of news knowing you but still <laughs> Yeah. But all of all of us should do this. Mm-hmm. I mean if you have been working for like 9 10 years without a break this really not just because i mean you get exhausted physically and mentally it's also it gives you time to think about things beyond like the daily news grind mm. just about our own profession about our industry and other things in the world but it gives you that time and especially if you're in a place like this where there's this kind of an educational atmosphere you get to learn a lot learn from other people and think about things more deeply than you would otherwise and how are the other journalists uh, with you like what's the class like oh man it's an amazing bunch from places where i wouldn't ordinarily have like imagined i would meet people from like ghana and guatemala indonesia finland and these are people who have been like working for like 20 25 years been doing amazing things right now doing amazing things working out different models of how to take the industry forward and what's what's waiting us 2 years 3 years 5 years down the line so, so that's really been quite an experience so something tells me that the best ideas for the next 10 years are going to come from you today you have overpromised <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've had enough time I, to think i i hope so yeah why not i feel the idea for the next 10 years is we all go for writers fellowships <laughs> done everyone yeah. goes for writers fellowships okay so just see agar wahan jugad ho sakta hai jaane se pehle bolo bhai thank you for my 6 months i'm sending some friends unke liye zara seat reserved rakh le lena so our listeners uh, you know we will be launching a bunch of videos this week uh, over the next two weeks actually uh, celebrating our 10 years and telling you about 10 years what news laundry has achieved and importantly we will also be conducting an auction uh, let me just tell you a little bit about it before we get into the discussion we have got two artworks created by anish you know anish he was you know our very own who was in delhi for the longest time he's created much of the art that you see on news laundry and the very adorable birubal and birbal characters the, the new versions of theirs he used to head the design team design team laundry. here at news laundry and the other by manjul who is a very well known cartoonist many of you have seen his work 
So they're creating two artworks. Uh, they'll be fairly large. I think they'll be maybe 24 inches by 12 inches. They are largish pieces. And there will just be two of those that will be created, two of each. One of each will be here in office and one of each is going to be auctioned with, you know, everyone's signature with the original size. There'll be a postcard size, five, sorry, five or nine additional ones, which will be also given, but those will, you know, be much smaller and they will not have signatures of the entire team. We hope the two big ones will be collector's items because there will be no other. We will also be destroying the digital version of that. And maybe in 50 years, 80 years, 90 years time, they'll be very valuable. And if not valuable, at least they'll be a collector's item, we hope. Uh, so if you want to take part in that auction, stay tuned. You'll get more information on this on our social media. If you're a subscriber, you will get in your inbox the process of how to participate in this auction. And there's also a good time for many of you who uh, often request me that, you know, how, how can you contribute more than just the NL Sena? Because we have a cap on how much you can actually contribute with. And that cap we have because... We don't want too much coming from any one source. This is a you know once in a ten year kind of event where you can actually contribute way more by you know bidding for these two collector's items. And because they're being going to be created by Anish and Manjul, you can be rest assured they're going to be phenomenal. I've already seen the rough sketch, and I'm really excited about those. So NL at ten uh, has that one event. There'll be more that you will be hearing about from time to time. But before I get into any other announcements, let's get the headlines and go straight into the discussion. Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman presented the fourth budget speech on February 1st. Uh, she also started off by expressing empathy for those who died during the COVID pandemic. However, the Samyukta San Morcha has called the budget anti-farmer and says farmers will have to prepare for a massive struggle to get MSP. The children's share in the budget, which is spending on things like children's nutrition and healthcare, is also the lowest in 11 years. Rahul Gandhi then attacked the centre on the Lok Sabha, saying there are two Indias, one for the rich, another for the poor. That's always been the case though, no? Yeah, it's always been the case, but yeah, I, mean... I think basically Rahul Gandhi for the first time made such a uh, eloquent speech, so it's become <laughs> yeah. a bit of a celebration. But yeah, we can discuss some issues of that. Hmm. In Mumbai, a court has issued summons to Mamta Banerjee for allegedly disrespecting the national anthem. I think she walked out before the anthem had ended and she was sitting for a little bit when the first few stanzas were being sung or something like that. I see. In other news, the Trinamool Congress will contest in UP in the 2024 Lok Sabha poll, Mamta has announced. And they'll support Akhilesh. Yes. Yeah, they'll support Akhilesh Yadav in this election. The Association for Democratic Reforms has said that all parties in Uttar Pradesh have fielded candidates with criminal history. This is not very surprising. Mm. In Goa, the AAP has made its candidates sign affidavits, vowing not to defect or indulge in corruption. Uh, Congress also did it a while ago. They took all their MLAs to Masjid, Mandir and Church and said, Shapat khao bhagwan ki, ki tum nahi You are not party. Hmm. But they didn't say ki hum dusron ki only said, hum, <laughs> khud nahi The Shapat was just limited to themselves. Goa, the see. election starts after the... After yeah, the after the polling. The hmm. After the result. In Manipur, the BJP's candidate list triggered violent protests because apparently it featured a lot of turncoats, people who had recently moved to the party. That's crazy, no? This would have been like primetime news, yeah? If it was Congress workers going yeah, on a rampage. the office and all, so... A New Delhi-based think tank has released a list of attacks on journalists in 2021. Topping the list were Jammu and Kashmir, Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh and Tripura. In Mumbai, COVID restrictions have eased. Beaches and stuff will soon reopen. In fact, uh, COVID restrictions have been removed altogether in Sweden, Norway, South Africa, Finland, Switzerland, United Kingdom and Denmark. But also the vaccination rates will be much higher. Yeah, yeah way higher. Delhi still has uh, gyms shut. 
I'm just still upset about that. Right. A New York Times report has revealed that India bought the Pegasus spyware from Israel in 2017 as part of a two billion defense package. The Union Minister V K Singh called NYT Supari Media over its report. Yes. Do you know what that means, Jashri? Supari Media. <laughs> like cunning turncoat. No, no, no. Supari. Am I vaguely correct? Not even no, close. No, 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 no. Supari is the slang used that if you want to carry out a hit, Supari nikaliye. Suppose Manisha pe Supari nikaliye. Wow. Then okay, I've, I would never have guessed that. I've put out a contract to, to kill me, basically. So basically, Supari is when you pay and you get shit done. I wonder where it came from, though. From the pan. <laughs> I know, but why is it used for killing someone? Because you don't want to look out chuna. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Huh. What is chuna? <laughs> Chuna <laughs> uh, is also a feature of pan, uh, and if you lagao chuna to someone, it means like you're trying to fool them. So now that you have all the panwadi talk worked out, we can continue with the headlines. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, the center has suspended the telecast of a Malayalam news channel, Media One, due to purported security reasons. However, the Kerala High Court has deferred the order, saying it shouldn't be blocked until the hearing is over. And in fact, they weren't informed specifically why their license was being withdrawn. And this channel was uh, one of the channels that beams in uh, the south, which was very critical of the government, especially during the riots year before last. Yeah, and I, and I think during the hearing yesterday, the Kerala High Court asked the center why it had. What are the reasons given? And they said, "Oh, we'll give it in a sealed cover," which basically means you'll never find out. Hmm. So uh, the center has told the Delhi High Court that the criminalization of marital rape could open the floodgates of false cases. Hmm. According to reports, Mizoram is planning to give identity cards to nearly sixteen thousand Myanmar refugees. And those KCR, identity cards will give them what? Does do we know what is the benefit of that ID card? It's just a legitimacy. Maybe rations or yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So benefits of like in refugee camps. Okay. KCR has called for a new opposition alliance for Lok Sabha 2024 and the need for a new constitution, but this has been slammed by both the BJP and the Congress. But he said, "We need a new constitution." Yeah, I I think it's basically a, a jostling for more federalism because even Mamta Banerjee, coincidentally, just one day before that, said that you know backed SP and was kind of. Writing off the Congress, so yeah. Yeah, so he said that basically, I think many governments at the center have taken away powers from the state. So he said we should all, all the leaders should get together and discuss and rewrite the constitution. Therefore, like therefore, delegating sort of more power to the state. Hmm. Uh, in the sexual assault case, Kerala High Court has ordered actor Dilip to submit his mobile phone. This is in connection with him apparently threatening to kill one of the police officers investigating the case. Hmm. In the case of a student who died by suicide in Tamil Nadu, the Madras High Court has said a conversion angle is not improbable, and the case has been transferred to the CBI for inquiry. Right. In Karnataka, hijab row has erupted in further colleges after the entire thing in Udupi, where Muslim students were asked to remove their hijab. Now it's spread to Mangalore also, right? It started off in UDP. Yeah. Also, I think in Kerala there's there's one thing about um one of those sort of NSS NCC sort of groups. An eighth standard girl has been asked to remove her hijab, so she's now petitioned the High Court saying that she shouldn't be she shouldn't be forced to do it. Right. The Supreme Court on Friday set aside the Maharashtra Assembly's resolution to suspend 12 MLAs for alleged unruly behaviour. So I'm wondering if this immediately will also kind of have an implication on the MPs who are suspended from the Lok Sabha, no, from the Rajya Sabha. Sorry, they were suspended from Rajya Sabha. Yeah, Rajya Sabha. Because then even that was extended beyond sessions, and the logic the Kerala High Court has not the Kerala High Court, right? It's the no, Maharashtra, no, Maharashtra, Maharashtra. Maharashtra High Court. So the Maharashtra High Court has said that you cannot 
suspend beyond sessions. So that yes. same thing should apply to the MPs. I'm guessing. Right. The Chinese soldier who was involved in the Galvin Valley clash is now a torchbearer at the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. Right. This is also a really crazy story. And yeah, that's the headlines for the week. Okay, but this last story you're saying that's a crazy story, Manisha. Why specifically? This is the one, the clash that happened in India. Yeah, yeah. In a related story, uh, there is a, a newspaper in Australia called the Claxon, and it has cited the findings by unnamed researchers. Uh, and said that uh, China had 38 casualties. I'll just see the exact number. Whereas China had only claimed 8 or 9, if I'm not wrong, in that same, the Galvan Valley clash. No, no, they said They, they had said none, think. actually. They, they, said none. they never came out with any figures. But they did say that there were some casualties. No, none. they, they no, always they denied. Some there, was, there was some rumours in the Chinese internet no, sphere. No, but later they admitted that, that there were some casualties. But they yeah, now they're saying what, 40 they're saying. This, they said 42. Huh? I think initially ah, they said they 4. Okay, so the, now they're saying 40 is what this newspaper in Australia has claimed. And uh, this is being cited by many people from the government side. But I did hear one spokesperson of the government saying last night on prime time that just because something appears in some newspaper doesn't mean it's the truth. And he was referring to the New York Times coverage of uh, the Pegasus. But but in this far lesson on newspaper, they're quoting. Uh, so those are the headlines. I have one more quick announcement uh, as you have been following our election coverage. I hope you have because we've done some pretty good stuff. In fact, Manisha, uh, Atul and Meghnad show that they've started uh, just another election show, I think is what it's called. Another election show. Another election show has been pretty good. Uh, Akanksha and Shivangi will be going to Eastern UP. Ayush and Ashwini will be covering Punjab. Basant is already in UP. You've seen some of his reports already. Very good videos. Yeah. Nidhi and Pratik, uh, along with Aditya, have left for Goa yesterday. And uh, Pratik is living on 5th. Nidhi and Aditya are already there. Manisha is here in Delhi right now. But tomorrow, she, Meghnar, Akhil and Pariksha, day after, you're leaving for Dehradun. In fact, right now, it's 3rd of February, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So you see all these 15 odd people traveling uh, would require money. Of course, they travel with fully paid tickets and stuff like that. So we've set up an NL Sena, which is a 23,21,200 fund. While we're recording this, 16,80,000 have been collected. Thank you so much for your generous contributions. Could you please top this up so all our colleagues have the resources and liquidity that are required to buy food, accommodation, travel, etc., etc., to bring you election coverage that is not funded by any Sarkari ads or any advertising because we don't take ads so we'd be very grateful if you go to newsroni.com click on the sena button and contribute to the project you can also go directly because the link to the sena is in the show notes below so please consider contributing to this uh, and also consider participating if you'd like in the auction that we'll have uh, on the 13th which is i think the weekend to celebrate 10 years and we've specially commissioned 10 year artwork which will be just one of a kind the details will be there uh, in your inbox if you're interested. Uh, and if you're a subscriber, you will be getting all the information about this. Now, on that note, uh, I'd just like to start off with uh, Rahul Gandhi's speech. So this is what he sounded like. I think there are three fundamental things that were not spoken about in the presidential address. The first, and what I consider to be the most important, is the idea that there are now two Indias. There is now no longer one India. There, is, there are two Indias. One India is for the extremely rich people. 
For my friends in the, uh, in the government, I want to make it clear that the spirit of what I'm saying is not uh, one of criticism. The spirit with which I speak is one of discomfort with the status, the state of our country. And the spirit with which I speak is one where I am worried about what is happening to the country. Also, in case you hear aircrafts pass and stuff, because our studio is under construction, we are recording from a makeshift room. So the audio disturbance from outside traffic will be there a little bit. So A, this was uh, the most coherent and I think articulate Rahul Gandhi has been. He said some stuff that's very obvious, but why has it become such big news? Is it because Rahul Gandhi still matters? Is it because the BJP and the channels made such a big deal saying, oh, he doesn't matter what he says, that they had this last night, they had a full thing about, look at what he said, that we are not a nation. We are a union, union of states. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, had they not made it an event, because yesterday I saw it was on prime time on three channels, whereas it's not such a big deal. And I'm not sure it would have been such a talking point had it not been pushed back upon so much. And it's on the front pages also. I was surprised. And the way the BGP rushed to sort to, of yeah, counter to, it so, and say, oh, you know, he's wrong on this, this, this. And today you have ANI going to former external minister and he's saying that no, 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 India and uh, pa uh, China and Pakistan were always great friends because of Indira Gandhi, it happened. Yeah, which is so actually, again, I think that's another aspect that defense of Modi is even, is so important that, I mean, I don't think the foreign minister should have wandered into this at all. He need not have made a public statement yeah, whether no, Pakistan and, and, and China are united or are not united. So I just think that the whole priority to discredit Rahul Gandhi, they clearly consider him a big threat because I don't see them doing this to anybody else. No, it's not a question of, uh, you know, whether the facts are true or whether it was factual or not. I think he was, for the first time, he was very coherent and very articulate and uh, he played uh, the rhetorics very well. Like, he picked up the right, like, China, bringing China and Pakistan together. Mm. This is one thing which immediately, you know, goes into your head. Uh, we are not a nation, but we are a, uh, you know... Union uh, of States. Ah, so, so that also goes down very well. So, rich country, poor country, though, always. Ah, two, two countries. <laughs> I mean, that, though, of course, I think... Everybody you, plays. UPA that is saying that because, in fact, uh, in the budget, basically, he was commenting on the budget. Yes. Uh, they have said that they're going to tweak some of the SEZ laws. The whole SEZ policy was a brainchild of oh, Manmohan Singh and Chidambaram, which, yes. in my view, was one of the biggest disasters. So, biggest. But, yeah, I just find it interesting that the rush to discredit him has made the speech a bigger event than it was. And by the way, we aren't discussing the budget because you've seen it discussed everywhere. It's our tenure. You can uh, see a lot of other panel discussions on it. We will not be discussing the budget in detail unless someone has something to say. Anand, your view on the speech and do you think it would have become such a big talking point even if it hadn't been pushed back upon the way it was? For all its parliamentary numbers, the Congress uh, still managed 10 crore votes in Lok Sabha elections. So it's uh, still the principal opposition party. Also for BJP, it is the only party with organizational muscle, if it uh, puts its mind to it, to match BJP still. So irrespective of uh, the numerical strength it has in the parliament, it would be taken as a threat. And of course, the party president is Bishas Gandhi, but of course, um, Rahul Gandhi is the heir apparent so he would be targeted from uh, i'm not talking about media i'm talking about the bjp as an organizational machinery would tar target him that is not a surprise second uh, his point about that has been uh, splashed 
is about uh, India not being nation or union of states. And uh, in a different uh, perspective, I think he would say that India is a nation. I think context is here important because in what context he said, because Congress would not like to be seen being saying that uh, India is not a nation. We just need to put a little rider on that. I think I heard most of the speech. I don't know if I missed any. I think I heard all of it. He at no point said India is not a nation. He said India is a union of states and it's not a kingdom. It's not a rajya. So all the, you know, even uh, Jay Panda and many of the other BJP spokesmen saying, how dare he say India is not a nation. He has not actually said that to the best of my knowledge. And I think I've heard the whole speech. So he didn't. He's, he he very specifically said India is described as a union of states. Of states. He and didn't. Uh, what he said is yeah. it is not. He said it's not a kingdom. Ki ek raja ka wo chalega. So and so this you know thing that all these uh, uh, ministers even are saying, I think tells us a lot about how disinformation is a tactic. So, it's a tool. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, that's an old debate that. Uh, what he cited was Article 1 of the Constitution, that uh, which Part 1, Article 1, Constitution says India, that is Bharat, is a union of states. So this is the actual wording. And uh, from this, uh, uh, there is a school of uh, political thought in India, which premises constitutional uh, patriotism. That is, Habermas's idea of constitutional patriotism is basically derived from the written constitution and the values it inside. But there is another parallel school, which uh, even Congress would not uh, be seeing as not uh, being subscribing to it, is that India is a nation in making, a territorial state with a lot of diversities, but which uh, where nation building is a continuous project. Of course, it also there is a third uh, argument also that it's a civilizational state. Certain civilizational values over the thousand over thousands of years have contributed and in a within a territory, and uh, it's some kind of glue. There's some kind of unifying factor which transcends certain geographical barriers or cultural barriers. So that is a uh, wholly abstract kind of argument. But I think in the context of uh, what Mr. Gandhi said, he was pushing for federalism uh, and uh, more uh, rights to federal bonhomie, a kind of federal fraternity among states to guard against the muscle of uh, an authoritarian center. And this is not a new subject, cooperative federalism, or even more uh, in 1960s, uh, southern states pushed for it. And uh, by 1983, and uh, you had uh, Sir Commission, which was basically recommending on better center-state relations. And it recommended a lot of measures where a state's power could be strengthened over the center. And the uh, Immediate context was that uh, the Congress government as, uh, had been sacking a lot of uh, state governments using Article 356. So uh, this is what I, I think he, uh, the BJP put, uh, extracted political mileage from what the statement could be interpreted or misinterpreted as. I think it was in a context uh, he said nothing new. And the misinterpretation of it is what Congress would also avoid, yes. But uh, just uh, add one more thing before we get Jayashree and Mehraj's views on this. The BJP has, in some significant moves, does appear to want to strengthen the center at the cost of states. You know, whether it is, if you could just take 
briefly as quickly as possible this new contentious point of uh the ias officers the bureaucrats appointments which the state will have less say over its own appointments and the center will have more uh, the delhi in any case chief minister cannot even decide who will be appointed his own uh, you know principal secretary what is that how was it and what is the new formula that bjp wants which also is being said is anti federal and will take away the rights from the states to appoint their own officers Article 312 of Indian Constitution formed All India Services IAS IPS and Indian Forest Service now these officers are appointed by the center but they serve particular state cadres now center is say empowered to call back these officers for central duties on deputation 2 3 years in government ministries and this but in 1952 all india services rules so a formula was worked out how it would be done and since uh, then the coordination between states and centers has been good but uh, now the sticking point is that uh, the center is saying that it is 20% or something more sort of uh, the officers it requires and so the state should relieve them as soon as possible now all india service itself is a major sticking point in the federal scheme in india and uh, india has been designed as a, a constitutional system with a strong center many constitutional experts say it is quasi federal hmm. and uh, it, it is it is a scheme with a strong central tendency so uh it was also because of historical reasons because we needed a strong yeah it didn't seem india was sitting together yes, at the time yes, right So uh Jaship what what did you make of the speech clearly you also have heard the whole thing uh did you think he made some very valid points and was that bit where he spoke about his great grandfather his grandfather his grandmother his father was that a good move or a bad move so i think the measure of the speech right now is not on the content that on the facts that he made but on how angry it seems to have made the bjp because he clearly touched a nerve So as a speech it was fine. I mean, he sort of went over the same talking points that we've heard in isolation like over years. But the sort of I do think the response that it's generated has made the speech into a lot more. I mean, you have Amit Malviya just to be petty shouting on Twitter about how India is not a union of states. I mean, this is absurd. These are stupid defenses. You have the US State Department spokesperson telling reporters that he doesn't endorse what rahul gandhi said because everything has been blown up to the proportion of rahul gandhi is being so anti-national that he's saying these things the fact that a us state department is commenting on a speech that an opposition leader made in parliament is ridiculous but i do think i mean yeah he but he was very smart about the way he did it the fact that he enforced that yes he is a nationalist but he emphasized on how states are being deprived or whatever then he talked about his great grandfather he talked i mean these are very these are very clever talking points i don't think it was a great speech but i do think that no, I... put together and put with the response of like the kind of responses generated it worked very well to his advantage mm, it has no, he told story of a king with a stick mm. with a very good narrative which goes down well with you know people and that and he it touched that chord the storytelling ha, the raja hai storytelling hmm. i like mean this was the number of times people uh, were sh- his uh, uh, grandmother was shot so it's like a that. king with a stick hmm. and yeah. the narrative around it hmm. 
Hmm. Beautifully tall. What about his grandmother? What what was that? He said she was shot thirty two times. Ah. My father was like, blown to pieces. This is the kind of detail that is very. Yes. My grandfather spent fifteen years in prison. Yeah, that's they, what headlines. They gave their lives to make India federal state. So I mean, I think the one thing that would work and. it would be very hard for the bjp to push back would be that this guy is like a king i mean i think you know it was still his delivery was still terrible i think a better orator could make mince meat of the yeah. entire aura that these guys have created about about modi rahul doesn't have that because even when i was listening to it i just thought many of the points he was making had modi made those points he would have phrased them so beautifully that they would have had way more impact which this guy just didn't have like he says ye theek nahi hai ye gal you know he just it doesn't have the theater that is required no i read politics. his speech i didn't uh, you didn't yeah, see it so i, so I just i just yeah. thought it didn't uh, uh, but that, that's the thing even though his delivery is so rubbish and i do agree that he's a terrible orator like he's just not cut out for it but like so he said all this and then one bjp mp immediately replied saying oh my father was also killed like no this is how you make a fairly mediocre speech really stand out from the just from the reactions that it sort of got No, oh, I I thought that basically is um the anchors like when Amish Devgan started defending that he mentioned that Amit Shah you know when anyone who's meet Amit Shah they take off their shoes I I guess he's trying to say is he a god is he like and Amish Devgan tweeting in India it is considered polite to when you enter someone's house to take off your shoes it is hygienic like dude you're an anchor of some <laughs> stupid show like to make on Gujarati homes do have this kind of tradition so maybe it's like a Tamil homes have them. Yeah. My own. We also take off shoes. But but yeah. but I think in Tamil homes it's it's more a caste. At least everyone is ex- expected to take off your shoes because there's no leather is not in the kitchen. My nani was like that. You couldn't take any leather inside the kitchen. That's so the logic to it. I thought it's just like no, she couldn't. You could only outside. take khanao inside the kitchen. And uh, I mean, the various have various reasons, but I just think it's um, yeah. Did did it make headlines in? Oxford, uh, Maharaj, are you in London? Are, are you happy? Was it front page headline uh, on Guardian? Were you just <laughs> downing the beers, watching Premier League, and Mema Shema? <laughs> uh, and no, I mean, I I didn't uh, watch the speech by, but I read reports about it. Uh, but I think uh, what he said, I mean, the both points about inequality and the idea of nation nationhood, they're very important discussions to have, especially at this moment, and not just in India. I mean, throughout the world. especially after the pandemic there's this growing recognition that some something has gone wrong with the economic system we have developed over the last 30 40 years inequality is like gone out of out of order in i think worldwide the top 1% or the top 100 billionaires or something they have their wealth has increased by several trillion dollars while uh, on the other hand by some estimates about 500 million people have gone back into 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 poverty in india alone right now uh, the top 10% of the population earns about 57% of the national income that's obscene and within that just the one top 1% alone earn 22% and the bottom percent together uh, bottom 50% bottom half of the population they just about have 13% of the national income 155 million people live in extreme poverty and extreme poverty is 1.9 dollars the world bank figures which is uh, about 140 rupees and in during the pandemic alone about 44 million more people have fallen back into extreme poverty that's more than the population of most countries in the world inequality is bad everywhere but in india it's really up the charts and it's been up the charts for a long time and to have these kind of conversations in a in a moment like this is very important because worldwide 
these conversations haven't happened unless you have been like say on the socialist or leftist spectrum jeremy corbyn bernie sanders kind of a movement in india especially over the last 30 years since liberalization this then best the narrative that has dominated is that india is now becoming an economic superpower so you can't talk about these small things and um, if you really look back these are the things that the so the communists used to talk about back in the day but because they don't have any political heft now these conversations have fallen down on the radar look at all the media look at all the sort of the intellectual uh, discourse in india right now these things are not talked about and these are the things that matter more than anything these are the things that matter more than even what your idea of nationhood is and that is the second point of it the idea that you can't have multiple ideas of of what a nation means i think i have said it before on the podcast only that india is a continent pretending to be a country so this idea that because india is the way it is it it should always be like this there can't be any other arrangement is just i mean for anybody outside of india this has happened because in india religion has been turned into this kind of a quasi religion and its kind of uh, symbols have become so sacred that if you do anything out of the ordinary that is deemed to be disrespectful or something it kind of makes you like a blasphemer sort of precisely what happened with mamta banerjee the other day right so the, the, this idea for people outside it seems so absurd out here you have people you have scottish people you have welsh people you have irish people many of them elected politicians like top officials academics professors students everybody there are people who are like who who are out and out who say we are british there are people who just re- reject that idea they say no we are scottish we are welsh we are english and we want to be separately nobody is going and calling them anti national or seditionists or something like that these are really stupid discussions to have to say that somebody doesn't agree with your idea of nationhood then automatically he should he should be sort of sort of not been listened to or demonized for that reason and this isn't just the problem that's been created by the rhetoric of the bjp i mean they have contributed a lot of this because it helps them politically in fact you could argue this has happened even before the formation of the republic during the freedom struggle this idea of nationhood sort of took hold and back then maybe it was out of necessity as well because you had to unite yeah others you couldn't you get to them together support. it would be impossible to yeah, fight the british but afterwards when you are a sovereign people these are the conversations you should have and without these conversations the whole idea of sovereignty is just is meaningless and it, that's why in in this very context this idea like the kcr for example saying we should maybe rewrite the constitution why is it that's such a bad idea hmm. having a constitution for example or having a state having a government is really uh, basically this bunch of people getting into a social contract this is a contract so we'll arrange our lives our society like this to the benefit of everybody could anybody really argue that the that the lives of the majority of the people have become better in the last 70 80 years or like way better than they were 70 80 years ago if that hasn't happened why shouldn't you rip up the social contract and create a new one but i It's think yeah but i think the, the the danger of that is and i mean i i get the logic of that but i mean let's take the example of america for example where trump in his last in fact his first public appearance since then is he's offered a pardon to all the people the insurrectionists i mean in a sense what he's doing he's rejecting the idea of democracy which i think a lot of bjp supporters in india would also happily do and i i see that you know yeah. so which is why i think the certain ba- i mean of course one can tweak the draft of the constitution but why democracy is an exercise in a in an undemocratic basic structure and democratic larger structure is because if everything is thrown up into referendum tribalism could take over like i think today in india 
if uh, you had if it was not just a yes or no referendum if it was a more party type referendum like across because i think yes or no modi would probably lose but in anything else because he has the largest chunk up he could possibly swing that let's just suspend election for the next 20 years mm. is that okay but for it- us so i think certain basic structures have to be done by a thought elite and i've argued for this whole concept of everything has got democratized so everybody's voice is the same sure everybody has the right but everybody's voice is not the same when it comes to making sense of things so the basic structure the founding fathers have got a basic structure and i think unless you have another closed set of people who we believe can alter the basic structure and then everybody else can you know talk about the bells and whistles but if one has to alter the basic structure i think today it is easier for india to uh, pull off a referendum that suspend elections for 20 years than it is to make it more federal it's my hunch i don't have the data for it but are we ready for that because i i agree with what you're saying about the constitution but i think at some basic level if you go there then you could have a trump completely redoing what democracy or nationhood means i think the problem with that constitution think- remark is more that kcr made it i mean come on i really don't want kcr to be rewriting anything about the constitution considering how you know uh, corrupt how anti media he is how and anti dissent in his own state i i wouldn't trust any of the current chief ministers I wouldn't trust. Yeah, but, no, I wouldn't and, trust and any of the current I politicians. The, yeah, I think the politicians I, in 1940 the, the, that amendments the, sure, but I don't trust any of them to rewrite something. I think we already have a good base, like you said. Amendments no, to it, conversations around it, yeah, sure. So, yeah, let let Jayashree come in, then uh, Anand can come in. No, my point is that it's it isn't about whether we trust a certain politician today to have the capacity to carry out something like reframing an entire constitution. What's happening today is that even the mere suggestion of it. is resulting in people saying we should slap sedition charges against him because he has no business even mentioning it as an option because that itself is anti-national so no, sorry a, uh, there's been a demand to slap sedition case against kcr there's no i'm saying that the fact that he's getting so much criticism and slap bjp has said that there should okay. be sedition well, okay. they want sedition, sedition charges and at the time when dr ambedkar did write the constitution he did say that if a future generation wants one then they should form a new constituent assembly to pass a new rule book and things like that but we can't even have conversations around that today i think that is the entire problem like to even remark that there is a problem with our federalistic structure or that it's not working means that we are being in some form of definition not patriotic by criticizing it so much yeah i think the i i mean i've in the past also said patriotism in my view at least for me and i think in its essence is not about uh a country it's about values and if your country does not abide by those values and you speak up for those values you know you're being as patriotic as as like opposing the vietnam war was not unpatriotic i think if if you have a certain bunch of values but anand you were saying something three four points first uh, the case for thought elite and democracy so it was uh, plato's uh, classic uh, disagreement with democracy he thought that Uh, there were too many speakers in a democracy and too few frank ones so uh, that that is an old argument second uh, i would uh, point is uh, about uh, the constitutional uh, the thought of rewriting constitution so it's also not a new idea in in fact the bjp government nda government under mr rajpayee had set up a constitution review committee under justice venkat chalaiya and it submitted its report in 2002 and it's had suggested few changes not major ones so this has been floated 
also i think that uh, despite every everyone saying that uh, you cannot have this conversation you cannot have this conversations we are having these conversations so uh, i think uh, the the fact that we are having these conversations on different platforms not on the scale that many would uh, be happy with is a good enough sign and uh, third is about uh, uh, the nationhood and patriotism argument uh you see as benedict anderson in early 1980s i think uh, he said that nations are imagined communities and it's a, also a creative project just like uh, con uh, constitutions are living documents you can amend these they are not dead good documents living organisms nationalism as an imagined community can be a creative uh, enterprise also and uh, one aspect that you said that patriotism is my country stand for these values and we should adhere to it that is your patriotism but uh, uh, there is also a different argument which many of the people who may not be very educated but uh, their idea of nationalism is derived from another source and uh, here i would like to uh, cite hegel the german philosopher he started with vehemently opposing nationalism and uh, by the end of his philosophical life he reconciled to the idea of nation because he said that people have a tendency to take a pride from the place they come from and it is not an unnatural emotion people uh, just like uh, families you, you, people react differently when you abuse family members as opposed to other people so similarly okay 20% people may not be very moved by it where they come from but most people are moved by the place they come from they want to take pride from where they come from and from that the idea of nationalism comes so you you can't be in a philosophical denial of the shimong's emotion that's yeah uh, meraj you have anything to add to that before raman sir and manisha come in and we move no, on to the next no this emotion is true hmm. i mean it's yes, absolutely right points, i think uh, i was i think i was one more, sec meraj let raman sir come in then. i think i was more yeah, nationalist yeah. Hmm. uh you know before 2014 but ever since somebody has started thrusting you know that nationalism on me that creates a problem for me i mean i mean uh, so so here uh, that is absolutely true i mean this is a very natural emotion when when the cricket teams are playing or anything when even uh, india is playing in hockey even if it is not a good team but you really cheer for them so it happens it is it, it, and it very naturally it comes yeah but i don't think it's an either or i think there's an overlap on both in the sense that sure there is but like like after the second world war were germans proud about coming from germany they weren't i mean they were so ashamed that they couldn't even push back yes. for such a you know for for treaties and terms that were humiliating and they didn't have the moral authority to fight back because they were ashamed of their germany so i think you the value that your nation stands for also impacts what you think of it other than the geography so yeah sorry go ahead uh, meraj uh yeah sorry uh, two two points one about this idea that uh, we can't confront or engage with these very difficult conversations say about like reframing the constitution or not doing this because some there are some people in the society who no longer have purchase in that agreement who no longer believe in those same values or who who might abuse that if that is the case 
then you have a much, much bigger problem on your hands than just a piece of document. Because that means that contract that sustains that society, that sustains that nation, that's broken at the very fundamental level. So that then it becomes more a moral problem than, than even a legal problem or a social problem. That's one point. Second point, uh, what uh, Anand was saying about uh, the idea of nationhood, uh, of this nationalism, that because uh, much of this was developed, at least in the, in the, in the modern canon, in the Western philosophy, they were looking at places where either they were small places or they were places which were mostly homogenous. So this idea that nationalism, because you come from a certain place, you have that belonging, you have that tribal loyalty, that works at small scales and it works at larger scales also if the population is homogenous. In India, you have a case right now where there are people all over the place, like in Northeast, uh, in Kashmir, elsewhere, who just don't have purchase in that idea of the nation, but you are thrusting it on them, right? You're coercively doing it to them. Hmm. And like I said before, also, if you really look at how India was, everybody thinks that 1947 happened and peacefully, there was a peaceful transfer of power and that's how India came about. That's not entirely true. How was Goa made part of India? How was Hyderabad made part of India? How was Kashmir made part of India? How was uh, uh, Sikkim or Northeastern states? or even Pondicherry, those are, some of those are like really violent histories. Those are coercive histories. It, didn't, it doesn't suddenly happen. A person's loyalty to a, where that place comes from, usually that's a very small place. Right. And th- these grand uh, loyalties, they are created over time through political means, through social conditioning, through a lot of things. That's why you have flags and national anthems and stuff like that. Right. No, that's completely a side conversation. I think the one party that has actually successfully restarted conversations on the constitution is BJP Hmm. with regard to secularism. Even though we didn't adopt secularism at the starting, it was inserted in the preamble in 1976. But I think they have very successfully questioned that aspect of our constitution and has got Indians to really question whether we are secular or we want to be Hindu Rashtra. And these are conversations that you now hear very commonly did we really, are we really, I mean, Pakistan got a Muslim majority, Bangladesh got a Muslim nation, why can't India be a Hindu Rashtra? So that conversation, the BJP has actually come from that restarted side more than anything. Yeah. very successfully. Yeah, but, but, and regarding um, the bit about having the conversation, when I was actually, the, what I was saying was not that we can't have the conversation. I think we can have the conversation and I, you know, I agree with Anand on that. I think that conversation is had in several contexts. And this whole, you know, anti-national though they say on anything, even if you are, you know, wearing a Chinese product on a bad day with China. So I was talking about where I stand on that conversation is that I don't think rewriting the constitution would be the smart idea in the current state of heterogeneity that we have. It is just on economic parameters, on basic human indices, on... uh, I think there has to be a certain acknowledgement or level playing field of information, ideas to have that conversation. If you have that conversation no, no, in, a, fair, in yeah. a country like India right now, uh, the most tribal will prevail. That That is my... I think a country like Sweden can have that conversation. A country like Switzerland can have that conversation. They're also very but, small. But, yeah, I mean, but, in that sense other also. Than even small or large depends on how equal you are, how close you are to each other along all these things. But if you're really far apart and there's so many of you, I think you'll just rip each other apart. That That, that was... Uh, my point yeah no no that that's yeah. very fair and yeah of course and that's that's the point if you can't have those conversations if it's a bad idea to do, do it now why 
So that's the next question to ponder, right? And doesn't that doesn't that just bring you back to the same argument that we've been having for ages, which is since we are such a disparate collection of states sort of crammed together into one entity, that is also why that's also what prevents us from having conversations like that in the first place. And that is why we worry about the ability to have conversations on whether we should redo the con the constitution or not, only because of that disparity. Hmm. Anand. Uh, no, that uh, Mehraj's points uh, point about uh, India being a very, very different case uh, in context of nationalism. Now, that is correct because, uh, and I also meant that, that nationalism and nation building is a creative process just because of that. Imagine community, the, the mere process of extending that community to subsume more and more identities within a territory is a creative process. It's not a static the template that this is nation and uh, india has to be comfortable with lot of subnational identities to be a confident nation and that has to coexist the subnational identities uh, i just uh, i am just rec recalling a funny case that came 2 3 weeks ago in jharkhand that there was a, a new policy of jharkhand government which gave a lot of powers to council a tribal council so the next week they were on the streets uh, demanding a separate state I mean in separate country not a state means uh, separate country okay, nation states yeah. okay separate country so okay a small thought experiment where we just could weigh in like a minute or a minute and a half that kcr saying this mamta saying that you know forget congress and bjp the small parties and i'll just start off with my thesis on this oh and uddhav thakre also uh, was a uh, I I think either Casey or Mamta mentioned Uddhav also, or he uh, had endorsed what one of them said. I think all these people who have a strong presence in their state, it is in their interest to have way more, you know, uh, say on how their state is run for them. Because I don't think Casey doesn't imagine he's going to win Varanasi in the anytime soon. Uh, neither is uh, Uddhav Thakre winning Chandigarh, and neither is Mamta winning Goa. No matter what they may think. So because and you know um, the Yadavs. uh for up i think kejriwal's been away from this conversation for, though no yeah because i think he's uh, still i think a fence sitter on this because uh, he sees himself as the only one who can both win a party south of the vindhyas and in the north and he is the only party who can actually do that right now who who can have that presence so i think he'll sit on the fence on this but for all the other parties if they were to come up with a coalition government like a devagoda or an ik Guj uh, gujral you know back in the 90s i think for them and i think for india also if that central government divested a lot more powers to the states it would be fantastic because neither the congress will do it nor the bjp and i think india will be run a lot better if that happens and that will only happen if the government at the center is made exclusively of the small regional parties uh, and i think that that is the next big idea that i think could actually be a huge game changer for india uh anyone else has any take on this whole conversation with these small parties is it a coincidence no. all of them are saying all this within two days of each other no and also um just what yesterday or today stalin did that thing where he's launching that federation for social justice where he's written to some 40 parties across india including the aia dmk and opposition parties and so on inviting them to join to fight this threat of bigotry and stuff i don't see any one or regional leader being able to really lead such a diverse sort of group of people together so it's a nice theory but well hopefully i'll be able to ask hd devagoda how he did i'll probably be interviewing him week after next so and he have covid he's got covid so yeah it i was it was actually supposed to happen this week then it didn't happen so probably huh. week after next it's going to happen anyone else want to weigh in on this before we move on to the next subject uh, yeah i think uh, i mean it's 
kind kind of obvious that these people are motivated by their political calculations hardly any any of them are driven by any moral considerations or ethical considerations but i think we should judge an idea on its own merit rather than where it comes from sometimes the best idea can come from the worst of the people hmm yeah agree so uh now i have another quick announcement we'll have some limited edition merchandise which is just the news laundry at 10 uh, we have a separate mug and some other merchandise just for this and hopefully uh, our partners who have got the rights for the printed comics the graphic novels of kashmir ki kahani and naxal bari a new print will be coming out so we can give that to you as well so we have all sorts of new merch coming up and like i said that auction we will tell you more about it please stay tuned uh, if you would like to participate in it there will be a process so that information will also come to you but it will only go to subscribers so if you want to participate in that auction where you could get something that would hopefully be very valuable 50 70 years from now ki jab news run ne start kiya tha tab ye limited edition one one of a kind item aaya tha Uh, you can participate so do go to newsroom.com and click on the subscribe button because then we'll have your email id and we will send you the entire process of how you can participate in that auction and also please contribute to our nl sena where we are covering the election now uh, the other issue which is not actually made headlines or been a you know very dominant issue as far as prime time is concerned but it got me thinking of how far is too far when it comes to an attire that is not entirely to your familiarity it started off in udp where you know it started in the college then there was a school girl who was told she can't wear her hijab uh and then uh, today it's i think moved to mangalore where there are, i think about over a dozen or two dozen girls who are not being allowed into this uh school premises who are wearing their hijabs they said you can't come in with the hijab and uh, then next day some people tried to come in with a saffron gamcha then the principal said you can't wear a saffron gamcha also because that is also a identifier so you know it got me thinking that what is you know what is rational or reasonable is wiping out any sign or visible sign of religiosity a good idea will it make us live in more harmony or does it have the opposite effect so let me just get this conversation going and raman sir you tell me first the most familiar thing at least as indians no matter where you are are with the turban you never question the turban as a religious sign the turban is there In fact most of us who are not monas and uh, live in the north even know how to do a pony because you have you know uh, seek friends and when you're getting ready you know quickly all your friends have to know how to do pony otherwise you'll never be ready in time so you never look at turban as a religious identifier so it's never crossed anyone's mind ki yaar turban hatao like when someone says remove your turban in an airport i'm like how the hell can they tell someone to remove the turban but would would that extend how much further now at the next level when i grew up in derdun i was not used to seeing people in hijab i had never really seen it i saw that in delhi more at least because i lived in a area where you only met other hindus then the saffron gamcha in uttarakhand don't really don't wear really and it's wear also something that say for example in kerala you didn't really it's a very recent thing to be wearing a hijab and mostly then in didn't. the south my all my tamil relatives that those three whatever ash type thing i was used to seeing that because all my mamas and grandmamas used to wear that you know ash like it wasn't a tea that's, was, that's a very brahmin oh, yeah i mean oh, it was like yeah. as if you've just basically dipped your head in ash it was not even a tikka you are <laughs> you are used to seeing it you never questioned it but the whole saffron thing and this new red tikka that i've started seeing uh, it makes me uncomfortable now it is unfair because a hijab doesn't make me uncomfortable a uh, uh, safa doesn't make me uncomfortable but when i see now because it's become a sign of you know boss don't mess with me i've got a safa or the like hanuman would never you know make me stiffen up 
but now that angry hanuman which became a rallying cry for hindutva so would you know one be okay saying that okay now you can go into college with this saffron thing around you because it's an identifier i belong to the rss or the vhp how far is too far and does anything make anyone here uncomfortable i am actually on the fence on removing any side of religiosity but i would stop at turban you cannot tell a sikh to remove a turban but then but th- th- like i said that's because that's the thing you're most used to now these things were really unheard of uh, you know way back in 1970s when i used to go to the school i remember my teacher hindi teacher he used to don uh, this thing tilak then my teacher political science teacher uh, even he this guy used to come every every tuesday hanuman ka tilak laga ke he used to come and then i had a school uh, which is uh, run by uh, you know minority institutions this guru hari kishan public school so we we you know my cousin had gone he he just learned that durmukhi and uh, he is a hindu uh, by religion i mean uh, in my time these things never mattered and what we read i mean about religion that equal respect for religion or or the state should stay away you know uh, from uh, religion so i think we we never heard you know any of these kinds but yes of late i mean uh, i also remember uh, the schools you know where the muslims are going in hijab even in my time uh, it used to happen it was very common and it was never objected uh you know but now i mean i think the recently i think it began with jharkhand somewhere uh, where the teachers uh, used to come in uh, hijab and the teachers were uh, suspended because of that hmm. uh so now it's catching up in uh, you know especially in the state where the bjp is uh, you know ruling so i think uh, i personally feel it should not matter uh you know whether they come in hijab or they whether they beard Turban. So long as we are not preaching religion, uh, you know, in the classroom. Okay, uh, Manisha, your view. I think in India it's a bit silly because we don't have this committed position of no religious symbols in the public space. In fact, our secularism has meant that the public space will have space for all sorts of religiosity and religious symbols. So we are not like France, which is very uh, kind of militant about its secularism in the sense. So this kind of a rule is a bit strange in India because you you are not going to have people who won't wear a cross or who won't wear a tikka or who won't wear the you know abaya or the uh, hijab. So such a rule is obviously purely it's you know targeted as Muslims in to my mind and it doesn't make sense in India. I don't think we've had that tradition. Hmm. We, we've never had this that you can't wear religious but, symbols. But is there anything that would make you uncomfortable being in a room with someone? At what stage do you say, okay, yeah, this makes me a bit. I think in a school, if a teacher is wearing fully covered, like face covered, that I would find odd as a student. Full face covered. Full, okay. because I that would just be odd for me. Okay. Uh, and I think for a lot of students. Does the. Uh, but the thing also with I think in India most women, even Muslim women, I think even in this case it's mostly the head covered. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not the face. But, but but with COVID, basically you have a mask, so it, you know you are effectively covered. So. But but uh, would you be okay with when you see uh, you know like like when the uh, our notables had that. जब मुल्ले काटे जाएंगे स्लोगन एयरिंग हैपनिंग इन देर वॉज अ वेरी ऑब्वियस ड्रेस कोड ऑफ द सैफ्रन स्काफ एंड तिलक विद फाइव सच पीपल स्टेटमेंटली 
um the only thing that would bother me is probably face cover like gungat or whatever any any woman who's fully gungat ki yaad mein it would be odd like in rajasthan also you have women who cover their entire face till you yeah. know very nice yeah. so for someone like that i think it, it that is something i'm not used to okay Uh, or then, you uh, should not yeah, bajrangdal uh, head as school teachers would make me very uncomfortable <laughs> anyway okay so that is <laughs> Anand, not what would you draw the line anyway is there be as honest as you can because i know this is something that most people are not going to because you have to be politically correct you see but but the fact is there is a point which some of us are uncomfortable let's let's face it is is there a point for you anand and then we'll come to our uh, miraj and jeshi it was never a situation in our times i mean Uh, more often than not i don't notice people in a room so uh, <laughs> so uh, i don't know whether so very convenient yeah <laughs> so uh, see um, of course so the points you people made before me are all valid i think uh, in a country of believers you can't cannot have uh, the protocol of a non believing nation like french secularism or so yeah, so uh it's a country teeming with believers of different religions and uh, sanitizing public spaces with uh, religious symbols has not gone down well from time to time these um, uh, issues have come to public discussion i i remember in 1980s uh, i mean i was not adult enough to follow the discussions then uh, but i read about that that um, an akali politician while uh, entering parliament simran singh man uh, he said that if talwar uh, no kripan simran singh man's kripan was as big as a talwar maybe that was for security reasons and then the insurgency was on rise yeah, he insisted so, uh, that he should be allowed to so, carry so it. he had uh, made the statement that uh, if hindus can go with jena when muslims with skull caps why can't i that was in 80s mid 80s somewhere now coming to this uh, uh, the problem is with uh, the association of certain degree of identity politics with certain symbols and uh, you can have politicization of any symbol means uh, one is uh, the manifest uh, uh, political assertion related to certain symbols and uh, but mind it it is not a very pervasive phenomenon so someone with a tilak or a skull cap may that may uh, scare or people may be uncomfortable only in very 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 limited environment means a lot of people not in the market yeah, sure a lot of people don't have any issue with that most of the people don't have any issue with that and political associations with territorial statements you now anything can be you now scholars say that mr ambedkar's uh, very smart and sharp western suits was a political statement of the western liberalism and all whole westernization being a liberating experience for himself than the indian attire so uh, you can have various association of sectorial statements with political alignments right um jashif your take is there any thing that is too far for you or you don't no. care no matter what i mean I, okay so i agree with manisha and that uh, i think india is a very religious country we're not like france except that i mean the idea is that the state should be equidistant and maybe not incorporate religion into the way it's run in these specific circumstances involving these children and students it's i mean the the issue is not about a religious symbol it's only about the minority religious symbol 
So, and to the extent where I think that Karnataka minister had called it, he called it an international conspiracy that all these students are suddenly popping up wearing hijabs, which is just such an annoying thing to say. But I mean, it's par for the course. For what makes me uncomfortable, I mean, so I went to a very, very Hindu, very dominant caste, very upper class school. It was... To the, I mean, to the extent where we had to recite slokas on a daily basis, you had to learn like, you know, Upanishads and things like that. We had to wear vibhuti uh, or ash or kumkum on your forehead. Even if you were one of the four or five Muslim or Christian students in my school, you were also expected to wear these Hindu markers on your forehead. So to the extent where now as an adult and sort of becoming a slightly better person, I feel like I've gone completely in the opposite direction where it is now sort of overtly... Hindu displays that make me very uncomfortable because, and especially given like the politics of the times that we live in and all that, and all it is, it's like what you said about nationalism before, I think, or maybe Raman sir said that, you know, after, after the war, how Germans felt that sense of shame of being associated with a nation and now living like and seeing the kind of stuff that we see around us today, you do feel that sort of attached shame to the religion in which you were brought up. So that is mine. Okay. Uh, before Mehraj comes in, you know, like the school that I went to, uh, it was clear that you couldn't keep a beard. You weren't allowed. Except if you were Sikh. Uh, we had uh, Mahmood Rahman Farooqi was my senior. He was a house captain of Kashmir house. Uh, no one was allowed to keep a beard. You had to shave. You had to have a crew cut. In Dool school? Yeah. You, and you couldn't, uh, and in Wellam Girls, you could not wear a hijab. Right? So, tomorrow if a Muslim in Dool were to say, well then the Sardi should not be allowed to wear his patka or his safa. You see, it is unfair if you take it. You just can't wear a headscarf un- also. Uh, in I Williams? have. I have never I seen anyone. That- I don't. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a rule, but I would be very surprised if they allow it. Also, with the beard, uh, if Sikhs are allowed, so should Muslims be allowed? Yeah, yeah. should correct. But I, I never saw it, and I don't think anyone had the guts to question that I should also be allowed to keep a beard. Now, are those the rules? But now also, also, I think oh. there's one thing. I think it, it's the same as Fauji rules, yeah. That basically crew cut, clean shaven. That's it. You can keep a mosh at best, but you can't toilet it up and all Why that shit. Why you may not have like seen? Like for example, Mayo College, when the Mayo principal asked all the Rajput boys to remove their balis because you know they were Raja Rajwadas, kisi ki ki, The board of governors pushed back. They almost got had him sacked. That you cannot ask a Rajput to remove his kaan mein jo no, but army, really, <laughs> army, army rules <laughs> don't have the back religion religious no, no, but, back but what I'm saying is but they do make an exception for a Sikh hmm. so another religion can say then why should that exception not be made for me a Jew can say I should be allowed to wear that I don't know what it's called but yeah Mehraj I just want to add yeah. one quick thing in Doon school you probably didn't meet a Muslim maybe you never had this conversation because only elite Muslim families would go there and they are less likely to have these prominent markers I don't think, I mean, this is just something that I observed, it's just anecdotal, but rich, upper class, upper caste Muslim families usually don't have the markers that you see on people from, who would afford Doon school basically. Sure, but actually many of them were scholarship students, so no. Also, wasn't there some case like a few years ago where some Muslim soldier tried to sue the Indian army? For not being allowed to give beard, I mean, I'm sure this comes up. But yeah, uh, you tell me, Miraj, what is your take on this and... Is there an inevitability to it being unfair to some religion at some stage? And what do you feel uncomfortable with? I think the sort of a basic fundamental principle when you're dealing with cultural and social norms and traditions in a civilized society is that unless it violates uh, somebody's three natural rights, which is the life to liberty, life to li- right to life, and uh, right to a life of dignity, nobody should be in any have any business about any of that. No state should regulate what a person can wear, cannot wear, what their customs are, what their traditions are, unless they impinge on these three rights. 
that being said what is now happening obviously it's not so much that they're trying to separate religion and and in state it's the other way around they're trying to bring in religion or rather religious kind of bigotry for what of a better word in into the discourse because uh, somebody wearing a hijab for example or a turban how does that affect anybody's right to do anything and is there anything that makes you uncomfortable <laughs> so i think uh, sort of if if you are a kashmiri living anywhere in delhi or elsewhere in india you kind of have that intuitive sense of where you should hold back where you should like open up and stuff <laughs> and that so i Fair i remember enough. i remember this uh, one time i was uh, traveling on a train from delhi to jammu i think and i was on the upper sleeping on the upper berth and there were these two gentlemen on on a lower berth and they were just talking among themselves like just regular conversation but a lot of it was like that casual sort of anti muslim bigotry and stuff so you kind of kind of pick pick on it it's not like somebody is wearing say a saffron gumcha and i'll instantly feel uncomfortable i mean you just know you you look at a person sometimes it's maybe out of paranoia sometimes it's for good reason but you just look at a person and you know okay maybe i should be a little cautious of stuff like that i don't think there's anything like overtly that fixed category that if there's these these things i'll feel uncomfortable these these things i won't feel uncomfortable yeah you know this kind of uncomfortability i mean it comes even i mean i being a hindu when i went to kashmir this time i found things very hostile Hmm. I mean, hmm. some I go to a shop. I ask for a cola. Cola is there? Nahi denge. Hmm. Ah, so I I met those kind of things. Very unfriendly people. Hmm. Ah, so I mean, which is making me think that I will not come to this state again. Hmm. So you oh. feel ah, you feel sorry, uncomfortable. Sorry to hear that, sir. No, no. Ah, I'm telling you, it happened. So hmm. uh, yeah, so, yeah, of course. Ah, so that hostility you 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 do, sense. You're saying it has nothing to do with ah. what one is wearing. I I mean, I do think that some sub shopkeepers are very lazy also. उटरीम and they they fix a rate for him ki you will charge only 5 rupees for shave hmm. uh, and he can't they, say no they change the entire thing no he went to the police and uh, the police fortunately the police intervened and uh, he's getting his rate so i mean such people are uncomfortable okay so um before i move on to the emails i want you know anything from 2 to 5 minutes basically it's been 10 years of news laundry thank you all so much uh, just to give you an idea about 90% of the people who when we suggested that we're going to do an ad free news platform i told us it would fail it would not work uh, till even as far as 4 5 years ago but it has worked and it has worked thanks to all of you we can confidently say we are easily sustainable even if we don't do our events because many of you say we should stop doing events because our media rumble event is we have sponsors like you know google facebook twitter un women oxfam now i'm sure many of you don't think un women or oxfam is going to have any influence on us but there's a discomfort that you should not have any sponsors so even if we have no events we are we still don't need to do those i think they are good brand building exercises because to bring out a report like the gender index and the caste index it costs like upwards of 30 40 lakhs we cannot put that much into a report so that has to be funded by others but 
the fact is that a news platform which is only funded by subscribers worked. Now what next? Uh, any ideas that anybody has on what news laundry can hope to do? Because we are not constrained by what a classical, you know, corporation or, you know, funded organization is. We can try experiments, fail, try something else. And we've been doing that with shows, podcasts, models, everything. Uh, now, I propose in the next 10 years, we transform what we understand of infrastructure. What is a media infrastructure? Like one large organization that sent us a legal notice who are fight, we are fighting in court. As part of the legal notice, there's five pages that tell us how great they are, that we are so many years old, we are more so respected, we have whatever 42 or 48 offices around the country, etc, etc. So we understand that as these are offices that this news organization has, that means they have presence in eight cities and with 40 offices, and that shows their spread, that they are so national. What if we change what it means, rather than have something we own, we have a hive. Like I have asked for, if you are a subscriber, thank you so much for your subscription. You fund our journalism, you fund our shows. Um, but if you can offer more, we've started this Friends of News Laundry database. It's a directory of people who can offer. Many of you have offered your cars when Manisha was in Kolkata. Many of you have offered your offices as your homes. You know, you can come and stay here. You can, you know, use this office for broadband. Some of you may have, you know, offices that are not used all the time. You may have homes that are way more than what you need. Or at least you can give it for two hours to one of our correspondents. So about 25 to 30 of you have written in. Thank you. We have your details. We will do a due diligence because we don't want to be compromised, A, on safety for our uh, colleagues and B, that if one of you happen to be contesting the election, they say, hai hai. so we'll be doing that due diligence. But... Other than that, now imagine if instead of having a directory of 40, over the next 10 years, we have 3,000. That means News Laundry has a hive, a mesh, a network of 5,000 locations in 40 cities in India where a reporter can go and can go sit with the laptop, upload, shoot a sequence. I mean, we could have an infrastructure bigger than the biggest news organization. Yes. I think it's possible to do. We will completely change what infrastructure means. We may have two Tucha Piddly offices of, you know, 5,000 square feet in Delhi, but across the country, we have access to 2,000 places. Imagine if we could do that. We would be bigger than the biggest media house. That means if our reporter is in, let's say Delhi, and you are in Rohini and office is 30 kilometers away, there's a subscriber who is there in our database and we can write a software. Now we have our own programmers where you can fill in your details. We have a due diligence process. All you need is a group of four or five people managing this database. I think it's possible to do. I think if you guys can contribute to this, uh, and no pressure, but if you have a home, like many of you have very big homes that you've offered, that you can stay, take a one bedroom and you can stay here when you're covering it. Some of you have offered, you know, I don't have a bedroom, but I have a study where your crew can come, they can upload, I have broadband. Because while covering elections, while reporting, it's very hard to always find something when you're on the street. Internet's always a huge concern. Internet is a huge concern. So imagine if we could do that. I think that could be the next big mountain that we could scale and we could completely transform what news gathering means. And then it becomes even more collaborative and it is even more not dependent on an entity, on one corporation buying real estate or renting real estate, on, uh, you know, one set of investors. Now, if we wanted to set up five more offices, fine, we can be sustainable, but we don't have the money to, you know, set up five more offices. But if we have this, you know, let's say someone has an office in Lucknow and we hire a correspondent there, we don't have to hire a separate office and set for them. They say, our office mein jaga hai. one person can come and sit, 20 square foot spaces there. 
So just imagine how we could transform what a collaborative news enterprise looks like. So that is my idea for the next 10 years. We have started putting together a directory called the Friends of News Laundry. Just write in to us at subscription at newslaundry.com. I repeat, subscription at newslaundry.com and tell us what can you offer. Can you offer a cup of tea and two hours window for a reporter to come and upload and type out their story? Can you offer a room 8 foot by 10 foot where we can conduct an interview which is fairly well lit? Can you offer a place to stay? Can you offer a car? What can you offer? And uh, over the next three or four years, if you can set up a directory of a few thousand, then next time someone sends us a legal notice saying we have 40 officers, I'll send them back saying we have 5,000 beta. Ja. Okay. And uh, we're coming next to Uttarakhand and Punjab. So, yeah. yes, please. By, uh, and Western up. UP. And Western, Western UP. So, UP. hit us up uh, on anything. And of course, UP, but towards the later phases. Huh. Uh, but So, please write to subscription at newslaundry.com. And tell us which city, what can you offer? And let's get this database going. And don't mind if you do your due diligence, you understand where I'm coming from because we cannot just send someone and then say, there's a camera on the night, cameraman, no reporter. So by the way, Kamal, thank you so much for your offer in Punjab. We will be in touch. Hopefully our team can come and uh, partake of your hospitality and very generous offer to stay. At- say it could be dangerous also. That's what I'm saying. That's why we have to do due diligence, no? So, uh, that is my big idea for the next 10 years. Uh, anyone who wants to go next? Meraj, Manisha, Jayashree, Raman sir. I will think only in terms of content. Uh, so, I would, first of all, I think uh, I would love to have a large network of, uh, you know, rep- reporters so that we can get good reports from all over the country. We should not look like, you know, North India-centric. I think I would love, I mean, good stories from northeast east uh, india uh, so so i uh, so that's the network the larger network uh, this is one thing that i expect and secondly i think we would like to uh, the original content is something that i personally believe in i do not want to appropriate and that's what i keep telling my reporters our reporters are not very experienced so i am not happy most of the time because we and we do research and we we need a good ideation uh, sharp ideas good execution of it so that's what i'm going to concentrate on to get original content the stinging content something which is going to make much more impact okay manisha i think if we could be an alternative to television huh. uh, that is what I'd, I'd really like to see because we do crib a lot about tv and you know atul and i both do these weekly shows talking about how bad the discourse is but if we can provide an alternate platform an alternate you know uh, i want like in the next 10 years for people to not watch not watch tv and say hey we just watch news laundry because it covers everything which means covering news needs you know having bulletin shows uh, having special shows, having documentaries, uh, but to be able to be like a channel in that sense. I'd love to be a channel. And a lot of people say that, uh, you know, you should be a satellite channel on that. So we don't need that. But on YouTube, if we could be a full-fledged channel that has an array of shows, uh, and it's very hard to do that. Uh, mm. It's not the easiest thing, production and video. And I feel also that, um, so this is something, and I want to plug here, uh, our latest show, which is another election show. We're doing a little segment on it called The Morning Show, uh, where we discuss the papers and we bring on a journalist from that area to talk about 
issues of a state. So typically what Delhi journalists do is they land up in a place, they'll speak to all the local journalists, they'll get on the intel and then they'll do an analysis. So what we are doing here is we get those journalists on board and talk to them uh, in a freewheeling one-hour conversation. Uh, I think a lot of people who listen to Haftar don't like watching videos, maybe they prefer podcasts. So you can also listen to it as a podcast, but do listen to it. It's really our attempt at changing conversations around elections. I think the Goa uh, episodes have been well-received and we've tried to cover everything in it. And you got History, fantastic guests. Yeah, we've got amazing guests. Seriously, like there's a lot of complaint on Hafta also that, you know, you don't have fresh voices and all that. So listen to that. We've really got some really interesting, fascinating guests who've, you know, told us so much about Goa. Not just the politics, but the history of it, the geography, you know, the gossip, uh, what matters to a Goan voter. Uh, and it's it's really refreshing. So do catch that. And I would want to personally be an alternative to television. So immediately in my head, I've done the math. It'll I be totally agree with this. And <laughs> it's about a, 30 lakhs more we need per month. <laughs> Though because then you have to have eight hour huge. shifts, right? You have to have full time exactly. production control room. Yeah. That is there. 24-7 and you cannot have as well, a producer. We don't producer. need to be a 24-hour channel. No, but we you can have to have options. You have to have no, programming. And we programs. should emerge as a digital channel. We hmm. don't need to have a yeah, separate we don't need TV. Broadcast, sure. Huh, broadcast, but yes, maybe OTT later sometime. Sure, and okay. I think one very useful um, thing that people kind of ignore in journalism, there's a lot of information overload from everywhere. And now with digital platform, there's also a lot of how you should feel about a news kind of journalism. But there's a lot of value. You meet a lot of people, they just want to know the news. They just want to know in clear, fun to access, easy to understand well, okay. language, what the news of the day is. So if we could actually do really good explainer journalism, which is really important, I think. We, we tend to, because it means collating information from a lot of other people, we tend to ignore it and we tend to think that investigative journalism is the best or only a deep dive story can do justice to an issue. But I think if you can really explain to people what's happening around them without telling them how to feel about it, that will really take us far, I think, in terms of programming. Jayashree? Mm, I don't have much else to add, though. I like the idea of shows. Only because I think that, like, based on what I see in my own families, that, okay, you see a news report in text, fine. But then if you see a video of something, then automatically the presumption that it is true is much higher because people tend to somehow believe things that they see in video even if they're completely fake mm. so i think i do sometimes wonder about this entire um i feel like as over the next 10 years this entire issue of what fake news and what is facts and misinformation is only going to get greater and greater so like i know a lot of um news organizations in the west like they do stuff like collaborative reporting where you allow readers to sort of participate in your process of writing or researching or fact checking and I'm a little bit like mixed about it because I mean, yeah, it does allow for more transparency, but also what is the cost? The cost is that you're allowing complete strangers into your entire journalism process just to make it clear. So I do think that collaborative journalism has some sort of future, but I still need to sort of work it out in my head. How do you figure out the filters? Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, like I think PBS did this entire thing where they, they made a short documentary, but then they re released like some hundred hours of footage just to be as transparent as possible about what they actually collected. So I think that's a bit of an extreme step, but I do think that news organizations need to worry about it. Okay. Miraj, what would you like us to experiment with? First, I think uh, congratulations are in order because uh, when people told you that this won't work back in the day, they were not wrong because research shows about... <laughs> No, seriously, research shows that about more than 90% of media startups fold within the first three years. 
and media startups that actually run entirely on subscription revenue, they're just, even in Europe, there are only a handful of them. So that's that's quite an achievement. So congratulations. Yes, to us and all. I think, this, I think that's a, also a roundabout way of saying we should have another party when I come back. because I the <laughs> Okay, <one>. we will. <laughs> we shall have a party when you're back. You welcome back, Mehraj party. Done. Promise. So the other thing is, I mean, uh, I think Raman sir already mentioned this original content and Manisha also mentioned, mm. but uh, if you really winnow everything down to what journalism has to offer right now in this moment, there are two things. One is original investigative ground reporting, like as much as possible of investigative reporting, ground reporting and analytical, even if it's opinion, very analytical, very thought out opinion. Uh, and the second thing is quality, 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 independent of the format, whether you want to do it video, audio or, or text, quality, 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 what that quality means. I mean, that's a bigger conversation we can have like offline. And why these two things are the most important, because right now, Media is no longer just an information sort of an economy. This is an attention economy. Why would somebody get off from their Twitter feed, their Facebook feed, their Instagram feed, their Netflix feed and read your stuff or watch your stuff? What are you giving that person to take their attention away from all that, which gives them a dopamine hit, which is like easy to consume, which, which has everything to offer to grab their attention. Take that attention away. That is the most difficult job right now. It's it's not difficult to produce good journalism because all you have to do is the basics of journalism we learn in school. That's easy to do. What is most difficult to do is to produce such compelling journalism that it'll get your reader off social media, off Netflix, off other things to come to you. And that can only happen if you have very original content and if you have very quality content. So that's what we should focus okay, on. Okay, thank you. Forward. Anand? Uh, two, three points. Uh, first, I would, I'm just reacting to your media infrastructure thing. I think you just have to get the human resource in order the space, uh, asking for a space and this is not very relevant because the correspondents don't need, uh, I, digital technology don't need a space. I, I, in a provincial capital like Patna, I have seen many correspondents of major newspapers and channels just wasting the resources of their parent company. Mm. And they, so they don't need it. Mm. You just pay a salary and ask them to do that. You can, you, they can do that kind of typing their stuff from their room. Hmm. So why they need a space? So, hmm. so, so, <laughs> and Delhi se Patna to jayega aur rehega hotel mein ye club for from no no no. If he means ki agar koi already if you are already Patna mein no he is talking about network of correspondents no no network of logistics and logistic but you are you are assuming that your correspondent is permanently stationed no. there no no, no. suppose no. like like manisha and gang are going to dehradun or they going oh, so to I, I i was thinking you are far more ambitious so <laughs> so, uh, so that I, that i so, said ki we should have a network uh, that i i i don't i don't so, know if you can have so many so, correspondents but yeah so uh, if you plan to do that never give them a allowance for a space or something that that is all so a uh, lot of cheating goes on there so uh, second is that uh, about uh, yes i think uh, it is uh, better to be an object of criticism than criticizing so uh, news gathering 
and putting yourselves to uh, for criticism rather than say criticizing Dancing critique hmm. yes so uh, what manisha was saying that uh, news gathering and putting your own original content so uh, it is just like uh, you are a political commentator or a politician yourself hmm. so it is uh, far more ambitious to be a politician so i am not discounting the farmer's role but uh, mm. if you are ambitious join politics so uh, um <laughs> but so, I still so, think media so, critique is important hmm. I, and then that I, is, I i don't agree with you there i do think that that, that, that is very important no, but uh, but i also get feedback that uh, in our media critique also i mean well taken but we we have we need to add something to it so that we should also it there should something be more. something more i mean Adding something to the of our own something sure. of our own no but yeah. now that's so, why we uh, have so many reporters hmm, carry on here no media critic is a very niche area it can be like newspaper there are newspaper columns of media critics hmm. 70 799 and wrote 20 years for hindu a media critic back column. Mihir used to write um, for express elijabad uh, so so, so but but the hindu is a mainstream newspaper it is not a media so you can have a space for it but you can uh third is what mehraj said it is uh, important that uh, you see a lot of uh, see these digital platforms are even driven even say like these elections now it's a version of moment marketing in what like there is a moment there is a political event even fact finding reporters is more of a moment marketing because something has made news because of information or misinformation and you fact check it and your fact checking becomes another event so it is uh, that uh, you are not stationary entrenched in a news space and gathering news but you are reacting to something so to add quality and uh, to be taken more seriously uh, you have to be very very entrenched in the news space you cannot be just even driven and doing parachute reporting is okay right those are the ideas we have so uh, thank you so much if you guys have any ideas of what we can aim to achieve that can radically transform not just the relationship between news uh, professionals and news consumers but in news gathering in what we refer to as infrastructure building uh, or anything else write to us at subscription@newsnet.com or you can write to me directly at abhinandansekri@gmail.com one thing i wanted to add i think that mehraj's point on quality and attention economy is really well taken because and i'm glad like i'm i'm guessing he's thinking about all of this cuz he's there but too many journalists think that people owe them their attention just because i've written a story people should read it but no it's you know this this is really like the biggest question facing journalism right now yeah is how to get not just get readers but paying readers mm. i mean sort of the survival of media going forward depends on this question and it comes with a little respect for your readers and viewers time and intelligence rather than assuming that you are doing some god's work and people owe you their attention uh, and, and along the same lines just the due diligence that manisha expects should be done of the places that are offering maybe they wanted to do diligence ki pata chala ki you know manisha i or subah newsland ki team nikal gayi aur ek cheekh nikli us makan se aur kuch nahi mila you know it can also be the other way around na kaise se manisha and crew came stayed in the house aur agli subah us ghar mein sirf laashein mili so yeah, people it can be the other way also are we safe <laughs> <laughs>
वैसे या कम टू थिंक ऑफ इट यू कुड दैट्स लेजिट फेयर ओके नाउ लेट्स गेट द ईमेल्स बिफोर वी गेट एवरीबॉडीज रिकमेंडेशंस रिंजन सेज आई जस्ट वांट टू से दैट आई एम वेरी इंप्रेस्ड विद द इलेक्शन कवरेज बाय मनीषा एंड को इन गोवा I was not thinking about contributing to NLSNA, but content I saw on YouTube maybe con- made me contribute. Thank you. Wish you good luck. Thanks so much, Rinzen. Thank hope, you, Rinzen. Hope we do better, and hope we are able to just do better and be worth your time. Shrinath says, "I have finally gotten a six-month subscription. I was subscribing on and off because of financial issues. Uh, this message is specifically for Abhinandan. The previous hafta you had mentioned that your niece had pointed out that there was not a single woman in your walls wall of heroes. Hmm. You have a wall of heroes. Yeah." With Che and Gandhi, I'd say would be heroine. No, hero, I guess. Fine. You have no mm. women mm. as heroes. Mm. Uh, past few years, I have had a similar conversation with myself, and there are some. These are some of my recommendations. Aruna Roy, first person I could think of, and I think she's gotten the right balance of activism and a type of politics that aligns with government procedures. Secondly, Savitri Bai Phule, she should be celebrated all over the country. And if we think that lower classes slash castes have made some progress in this country, then isn't possible without her. It wasn't possible without her. Finally, someone who's alive and not a savarna, Mayavati, to survive in politics with such such misogyny is no joke. And then she decided to ally with SP. Suddenly, everyone cares about her honor. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. She's began uh, campaigning today, by the way. Yes, I, I saw. I saw that speech. I mean, of yesterday. Hers, yeah. Yesterday. Hmm. Okay, this email is from anonymous. Doesn't want uh, his or her identity revealed. So anonymous has sent a link, and it is um, in Bengali. Uh, and anonymous says, wanted to share this link. It's in Bengali, but understandable for all. It is so apt for the current political situation of our country. I don't understand why opposition parties can't make and circulate such videos to help the masses of North India realize what is happening. in our country and the link is in the show notes you can see the video that has been recommended by anonymous uh, next email is from kartik hi nl team i want to flag abhinandan's repeated claims that the modi government doesn't have any economic agenda whatsoever he says he hates modi that is his prerogative i'm not saying bjp's economic agenda is good but one would expect some rational argument from a hafta panelist on such claims given many citizens vote bjp mainly for its economic promise i think such loose statements put off many potential nl subscribers who don't hate bjp but tune in to get different perspectives i want to ask abhinandan and other panelists who stay mute on such claims how do they analyze various economic reforms done by the current dispensation such as bankruptcy code gst etc specifically why would someone with no economic agenda invest invest significant political capital and intent quote unquote execution was bad to pursue farm reforms land acquisition bill demonetization etc finally wouldn't it be great to invite reporters on bjp beat like mistula liz matthew to answer some of these questions uh, nice recommendations i don't think liz will come because indian express has a podcast and they don't allow for them to go to other platforms but we can ask mistula mistula has been on our podcast but karthik just two things i want to uh, correct uh, a I, you know, when you make a statement that is so absolutely extreme, it changes what was initially said. You've said I want to flag up another repeatedly. The Modi government has doesn't have an economic agenda whatsoever. My actual statement and claim is that they don't have an economic agenda. Theirs is a cultural project. Modi does not, in my view, have any economic project. It's this fatura that has been floated. The RSS project from the beginning. was a cultural project and in my view that is what modi wants to execute now in so doing that doesn't mean he will stop governing i like i don't believe that the bjp's has a sports agenda but they sent one of the most successful and well uh, rounded olympic contingents but that doesn't mean sports is the priority so 
that is one correction like when i say x the corollary doesn't become true that they have no economic agenda whatsoever when you take over you have to run stuff like i believe khatter is a buffoon in the the chief minister of haryana but that doesn't mean he is going to make faces and jump around all day he will also have to govern uh, and secondly i have not said i hate modi i can't stand what the rss stands for i mean my views on politicians are not so extreme because i believe their approach to everything changes politically depending on the age that they live in so yeah just those two things i want to correct but i think um oh, gst if, if you're saying that uh, the demonetization is a demonstration of a of an economic agenda i can i think fairly easily argue against that i think it was no serious economist anywhere in the world thought it was a good idea it was a complete tuglaki buffoonish idea which has turned out and and uh, yeah i mean that that's that's my i i still think that modi's agenda or the bjp agenda is not an economic project for india it is a cultural project as as opposition i think bjp had opposed gst gst is not an idea mooted around their time it was much earlier you know and that there should be one tax yeah, one so uh, so so but he gave it a name of he he owned it up by calling it one nation one tax and uh, so it's not a policy as such i was going to say that maybe not like an economic agenda but i think that an economic agenda is in general to sort of promote neoliberal policies slight dismantling of the public sector the mutually beneficial relationship with the private sector and i mean if you look at farm laws land acquisition environmental clearances all of these sort of fit into this broad sort of definition so yeah i mean all right thinking economists would perhaps support the demonetization plan but Also I think it's just this wrong headed idea of focusing on formalization as a solution to everything like both demonetization and gst sort of assume that gutting the informal sector will promote the formal sector but the informal sector is la- is vast so gutting all these livelihoods without a proportionate rise in the formal sector to offset it it's just very wrong headed poor approaches to what could at some level be construed as an economic agenda but overall i wouldn't call it that in fact its cultural policy offsets everything it is cultural policy overshadows even if they are doing something in, in economic on the economic side we, we we don't really notice it this present regime appears more like a patriarchy you know and uh, who who is given you know this preaching us uh, you know religion and preaching us nationalism uh, that's how i i feel i mean most of the time i also just see you know when the leaders you pick determine what is your agenda you see the chief ministers they pick see the cabinet ministers they pick if your cabinet ministers who are you know in charge of stuff like hr etc are telling us about internet of the mahabharat time i mean who you pick as your second level leadership determines what you want to do with your power and i think it's a no brainer of who they've picked next email is from abhi says hi nl team my critique is on the first part of hafta 364 The discussion with Sumaya should have been on her specialization neuroscience and not covid in Australia. Understandably, quite a lot of assertions were off point. First, Australia is a federation of states. States have their autonomous health systems and vary quite a lot. While one can freely travel from Victoria to New South Wales, Western Australia is closed for inbound travel. It was said that in Australia you're fined for not taking vaccination, quite the contrary. I know quite a few people who chose not to vaccinate. Of course, the government's put restrictions that make life of unvaccinated difficult. It is same as you can perform all functions without having to have a phone or internet banking. It's just more tedious. Fines are heavy for breaking protocols such as home quarantine. Police visits are frequent and if you're missing during that period, you might as well sell your home. 
Okay, point noted. All right. Ayush says, uh, dear NL team, I come from a family that has always voted for SP or its Lohite so- socialist predecessors. And I must say that there seems to be a huge difference in the SP's pitch this time. It seems that the SP isn't just pandering to non-Yadav OBCs for this particular election, but has brought structural and ideological changes to the party. With the BSP's decline, the SP has aggressively postured to cover their lost ground and it has tried to distance itself from the traditional Parivarvad Gundaraj moniker, although they have uh, fielded the maximum number of candidates with criminal charges against them. The party has brought back its social justice narrative that it had lost over the past 5-10 years. Despite this, I hear many anti-BGP voices call the SP a casteist party who like the BJP polarize voters on caste rather than religion. I find this absolutely absurd. Caste is a reality of a society and representation is the first step to break down those barriers. If someone talks about those realities, how is it casteism? Please let me know your thoughts. Well, um, does anyone have a thought on this? It is just like uh, when I teach, I have to repeat the same thing every day. So uh, we have discussed it so many times. Hmm. So sometimes you don't uh, like uh, hearing your voice so many times over the same topic. That's why I think we have discussed it a lot of right. times. But yeah, I mean, yes, you can't move away from caste, but yeah, it's just too complicated a discussion. Then Anurag Tiwari says, Hi, I'm a subscriber since 2013-14. I'm a banker, an ordinary subscriber, unlike other subscribers with unpronounceable degrees and job profiles. Nevertheless, what is important is that we all agree on one thing that's pay to keep news free. Looking forward to the assembly election coverage. Keep up the good work. Abhinandanji, what's the program on app, on the app and Kashmir Ki Kahani graphic novel? I'm eagerly awaiting for both these. So Anurag, I believe um, the app, the test run is already being carried out as we speak. Uh, it's been carried out for the last week or so. It has been sent out to a whole bunch of you subscribers, uh, uh, many of you who contributed to the NLSENA project. Uh, there are some uh, you know, tweaks and niggles that are being fixed. Bayandaj is looking really nice. I'm hoping over the next week, the trial should be complete. It's taking a slightly longer to put on the App Store because the App Store, for some reason, it got rejected twice. Uh, so we've just made whatever that payment you have to make to get, I mean, uh, process is on. Uh, but the Android one has been tested for a while now. Uh, and yeah, uh, I'm hoping in the next 15 days, uh, if the App Store also accepts it, I think there's a certain period of time from the time you're submitting to them approving it. There's a fixed 14, 20 days or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, but otherwise the app is 90 95% done. And the Kashmiri Kani graphic novel also should be out within this month. Just on the previous mail by Ayush, just uh, remember that in Goa we met a guy from, um, I think Itawa, on the beach selling kakri. He comes there for... So we were just talking about uh, UP um, you know, elections and he very clearly said that so that kind of sentiment among mm. uh, non-BJP uh, supporters and non-Yadav OBCs is very strong that SPs in power means gundai by yeah. uh, the Yadavs. And this is to a certain degree true to Mulayam's time. People say that Akhilesh did not, I mean, he tried to change that. But you have a lot of people call back to that time that you couldn't register a complaint against a Yadav if they were opposed, you know, involved in a crime. There were, you know, criminal syndicates that were that he would kind of, you know, not promote but would turn a blind eye to. And it is true to a certain extent that during Mulayam's time, at least when they had the power, there was a lot of criminal elements that were allowed to sort of function freely. So maybe that's why that BJP can effectively use call back to those times and tell their voters that don't vote for them because those times will come back. The RJD, RJD and NDA analogy in Bihar. 
जरीवाल and that even if it comes to power by playing soft hindutva it will never pass such laws i want to be an optimist but a lot has changed since my first and probably last donation to a political party and now i'll prefer to donate and support the fourth pillar mugged up about four pillars of democracy in school but now i fully understand it thank you from the bottom of my heart for your fearless reporting thank you mr b for your contribution and keeping news independent and free and ad free appreciate it um uh, i will not share my view on that last statement of of kejriwal i know uh it has uh you know it it, it looks terrible and uh, although i will say it was in response to a very specific question uh and yeah he just kind of took the easiest way out what was the question the question was that should there be a law against forcible conversions now the options i mean i think as a politician you could say what is a forcible conversion you can question the very basis of that question like what are you saying what is a force are you is someone putting a gun to your head yes it's criminal it's not about conversion making anyone do anything under you know coercion which is hostile or violent is so i don't understand the question or he could say yes there should be law against forcible conversion without because you can't say no there should be law against forcible conversion because they they put the word forcible in it na it's not conversion i think what kejriwal wants so, to do is so so he says yes there should be and move on basically the idea is on religion he's always going to lose so he doesn't make that those uh, who understand uh, kejriwal <laughs> this guy completely understands kejriwal he's not going to come up with this kind of but yes. laws which have been promulgated they are against illegal conversions all laws are against illegal conversions so there are laws yes so ah, illegal so laws. forceful conversion is same illegal conversions so the laws which have been uh, enacted in different states are against illegal conversions they have been prefixed with illegal, illegal it, it is they are not against conversions hmm. i think what he wants to do is just not let it become a media headline because if he said nahi hona chahiye to fir you know everyone will be like oh is he no, against but, so he just wants to end that conversation and move on i don't think he'll ever come up with his own bill having said that karnataka up bills or laws are ridiculous yeah ak hello hafsa team i've been a subscriber of yours since the last 5 years i subscribe specially for your commentary on the media and for your podcast and for your interviews i wanted to ask the hafsa team why don't they comment on foreign media more often especially their commentary on india for example i found the following article on ft uh, there's a link to it uh, i agree with the basic premise of the article but some of its content is outrightly wrong trigger for the article was installation of bose's statue at india gate first i don't agree about the author's views on bose also there's a blatant lie in the article that it says that main camp is used as a textbook to teach leadership skills in some of indian business courses really that isn't true 
राजस्थान के किसी छोटे विलेज में हो रहा है तो so if you talk to right now if you look at the coverage of uh, the western media about the conflict in uh, ukraine every single i mean it looks because if you don't know about it much it might seem okay fine this is what might be happening if you talk to people from eastern europe they'll tell you all of it is mostly garbage so i think one reason for that is apart from obviously the obvious uh, factual inaccuracies what happens is usually because i think that applies to all of us is that we look at the world from a certain perspective certain world view because we grew up in a certain place we are educated in a certain way and then we have that framework in case of so these people obviously have a western view of looking at the world in case of publications like ft or economist they have that added layer of neoliberal free market view so if you if you if you have followed uh, say for example the economists coverage of modi when he came about he was hailed at this great economic reformer who will transform india make it another china or uh, counter to china and then gradually over time they kind of gave up on it little by little little by little little by little and for them in that uh, in in their framework it makes sense it's not like the reporters are going out and trying to deceive like intentionally or something उटेट That's a good idea yeah Nimesh uh, I think it's a it's a great idea maybe we this we can start this next next after um, election is over Next letter is by Avril Tiwari uh, please share the list recommended by Nisha Susan I too would like to have some women hero icon Okay Avril once I get the list from not just Nisha but also Jayashree is going to put some people on that list What is this all about women heroes I've been keeping very quiet but i saw your email and i will send it yes my i have a wall of heroes you must have seen it in the background sometimes during zoom meetings no, but nisha suggested some uh, female no, icons my niece asked me that there is no woman on your wall of heroes and i what just a, realized what a woke niece i i, I said he should get a picture of all the women at news laundry and put it up on his wall yeah you can put a picture those, of jayshree and me and say heroes. these are my they are my heroes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only for the rest of the world to call me a weirdo. This <laughs> <laughs> creep, you know, I have a really creepy boss. He has a photograph in his house, and I feel so weird with him. I'm like, okay. So anonymous, we'll call him Jay. Says annual subscriber who availed the Hafta 360 offer here. Thank you. I request anonymity given. Firstly, a big thanks to all team members, including those we don't hear see. the production team website team administrative administrative staff and housekeeping staff good job special thanks to jayshree manisha and raman sir 
Abhinandan sir, thanks as always for this platform. I have a suggestion. Anil could consider a weekly MOBI format, MOBI format, downloadable for subscribers or mailing list for this format. That way we can read the long form and other text reports on our Kindle devices. A magazine called Foreign Affairs already does this. Actually, reading on Kindle would be so much better. Actually, Jay, this is an idea that uh, we are actually already working on how we can make this happen. So yes, the Mobi option um, should also happen this year. So on that note, uh, thank you so much. Let's, before we say goodbye, and have a very special song which is going to be dedicated to all our subscribers on the 10th anniversary for making the impossible possible. Uh, but before that, let's have recommendations from everybody. How about we start with you? I want to start because okay. I want to uh, plug the show again and I want to play an excerpt of it. So, morning show, please tune into it and listen to it as a podcast if you don't have the time for a video. Uh, here's an excerpt from a show we did in Goa with Sandesh Prabhudusai, who's an author and he's come out with, author and journalist, and he's come out with a book on Goan politics. Listen. One thing is that the BJP cadres are completely sidelined this time in almost more than 20 constituencies. So, it also depends where the BJP cadres will go. If all BJP cadres decide, see, BJP can survive in Goa only if BJP is defeated this time. My observation is that they will not get a single seat in Goa. Because miscalculation. Two months parachute in Goa, you will land. And then you will say everybody, this is our with us, this is our with us, this is our going to finish you. This kind of politics Prashant Kishol did in Goa for the last two months. Wow. And, and then, unone, see, I have talked to some of his party men who have now, you know, they have publicly allegation bhi kiya hai, jinko unko bola bada bada baate kiya gaya tha, unko post denge, post nahi diya, unko bola tha, aapko ticket denge, ticket nahi diya. Or importantly, they have, they have told them, we are going to sponsor your full election propaganda. They have also backed out. एक तो मेरा सवाल है क्योंकि you are veteran journalist and uh, editing a heading a newspaper newspaper के साथ पार्टियों का किस तरह का ऐसा जैसे हम इधर उधर बहुत सारी उल्टी पड़ती खबरें सुनते हैं कि पैसा चलता है बहुत अखबारों को भी साथ मिला जाता है पर actual situation being an editor heading a news media group actual reality क्या है थोड़ा सा क्या बताओ I also like to you know open up yeah I'll plug our election coverage already the stories have started coming in apart from uh, our editor's show. The story has come from Manipur also. Uh, we have published one story. Uh, Basant has done some wonderful stories, wonderful video stories uh, from Western UP. A uh, lot more is going to come from Punjab and uh, Goa. Besides that, this week, I think uh, I've just bought uh, three books of Dom Morris, uh, the autobiography, so I'll start reading. Uh, the first and then the second and the third. And yes, I was I started watching a bit of this Shark Tank mm. on Sony. Sony oh, okay. Lane. Everyone's, uh, uh, it's quite the rage, no? It is quite a rage. In fact, uh, people like us who don't know business, who always, <laughs> who, who has, uh, you know, already booked so many domains for the journalism, someday I'll start something, but I don't know where to start from. So I think, I mean, getting some sense of it, what is it, mm. uh, you know, uh, it's good. I mean, I liked it. Uh, okay, so first let's get Jayashree's. So I'm recommending a book, which is the last, it's fiction as usual. It's The Last Watch by J.S. Dews. Set in space, it's about fighting for a team of underdogs saving the world. So it's fantastic. My second recommendation is that they call Peace on News Laundry, which I really enjoyed editing. It's why the budget speech makes for a bad WhatsApp forward. 
I think it really also like encapsulates how in the media, how the media tends to view big events. Like you have to sort of break it down into sort of bite-sized, exciting headlines and tickers and things. So right, Meraj. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I have two recommendations. Uh, the first one, uh, I'm afraid this is an academic paper, but it's pretty uh, easy to follow, and it uh, goes to a lot of what we were talking about earlier about the idea of nation and other things. Uh, so it's called a partisan disagreement: the role of media, personal networks, and gender in forming political preferences. So this is uh, this group of researchers. They looked at how uh, "quote unquote" misinformation and bigotry and hatred is spread through WhatsApp in in India, and they did this uh, mostly among uh, women, women as well as men. But their focus was uh, on women, and it's a really fascinating study. And the second one is an article. It's an old one, but I came across uh, it very recently. But it's quite a fascinating read. It's by David Brooks in the Atlantic. It's called "The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake." Okay, why? I'm curious. Uh, exactly. So you'll have to read it. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. it's it's a it's a it's a bit long, but it's worth worth the time. Chalo, I shall definitely check this out. Uh, my recommendation for the week is a Time magazine article. Uh, it's written by Carl Wick. It is how Wordle's creator feels about selling his viral game. Uh, I'm sure most of you know what Wordle is by now. Uh, I arrived on the party a little late, and I played it. And I realized it is a slightly easier version of Mastermind, which we all were made to play as children, even though we didn't want to because it was supposedly good for your mind. Uh, but it's a more fun version of Mastermind, uh, I guess, because it is simpler. But it's a fascinating read because uh, the creator uh, comes across as such. a sweet guy man and then it was like this wormhole like you discover him then you kind of google other stuff about him uh so yeah i and i think it's a it's a great learning for any young uh, entrepreneurs out there want to be entrepreneurs on how some phenomenal stuff is created not because you were pursuing it for the money because you just wanted to create something different on you and uh, i can tell you that is where most success is found not when you're trying to create something you know for flipping but yeah he comes across as a really really interesting guy and really smart so do read it especially if you've been playing wordle anand yes so i'm since we didn't discuss budget i am picking up a theme from it and recommending something related to it in a different time period so the budget many endless said that it was meant to push development and regional development to be precise and regional development and sectoral development now one particular thing please understand it because many of us you might be knowing is that the skewed regional development in india that the migration from states like bihar orissa west bengal is highest but one important factor that people ignored is freight equalization policy i think this is a very ignored aspect whenever we talk about uh, these poor states that from 1952 to 1993 these all mineral rich states must much like the resource curse um, in africa they, they are very very wealthy states these were bihar in uh, when it was undivided jharkhand was not carved out west bengal odisha odisha and the central government now federalism also comes here central government imposed a policy or for maybe for better meant or for worse that all resources that will come from here all minerals the central government will subsidize it and the freight 
and subsidized it. This meant that states in southern states, western states, northern states, the industries were set up using the steel, copper, and cement from, cement from these states. And the, the entrepreneurs, businessmen had no incentive to set up industries there mm. because the excess was there and this was done for even development but the unintended consequence was that that these uh, states didn't get advantage of their natural resources and this led to a lot of unemployment and a lot of migration from despite them being good agricultural zones the, but the urbanization didn't take place to the level so some of the writings i am recommended it, it, it a, a, a recommending is by ashim shinha and uh, Stuart uh, Edward Corridge, he's an economist from LSE, and uh, Gain Prashad. Now, you can find these writings and understand the skewed regional development in India. Hmm. Right. So, thank you, Anand. Thank you, Ramansa. Thank you, Manisha. Thank you, Mehraj. Thank you, Jeshri. Thank you. And thank you, Lippi. And thank you, Anil and Tehreem. Appreciate it. And thank you, dear subscribers. This hafta is free for all of you. But I dedicate this song on something that was actually just an outcome of a frustrated, angry conversation between Madhu, me, Prashant, Rupak sitting in our office. That news laundry was born entirely on a whim and it has become what it has become. So this song goes out to you. Thank you all. देखा एक खाब तो ये सिलसिले हुए दूर तक निगाह में है गुल खिले हुए News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs>